Hey, welcome to the ISO Coach Podcast. It's great to have you here. This is your host, Harry Lopez, and I'm very happy to share this episode with you. The ISO Coach Podcast will assist your journey as an internal coach or consultant. My objective is to be here for you with news, best practices, and experiences from experts all over the world. Let me know your questions, and it will mean the world to me if you subscribe to this podcast. You will receive notification when there is a new episode. The Isocosh podcast is for you, because my friend, you are the Isocoach. Hey, welcome. The episode today is virtual auditing. Virtual auditing is not the same as remote auditing. So this is going to be a very interesting uh, topic for today. A virtual audit is when you audit a virtual process or processes. If you are familiar with the American Society for Quality, and if you are interested in virtual auditing, uh, you may have read my article in the ASQ magazine this July 2020. If you have not uh, looked for it or downloaded it from a link that will be in the notes of, the, of this episode, um, you know, so during doing, doing all this since 1995, wow, that sounds far away, but uh, since 1995, I have experienced an evolution of the environments in which we do audits. Um, you know, from traditional manufacturing facilities with uh, brick and mortar operations, um, you know, traditional operations, to a gradual automation of activities. I remember when I was doing uh, automotive industry audits and uh, I saw this Carl Zeiss coordinate measuring machine in the 90s. Wow. I mean, wow. That was something because before that, I was doing quality inspection at an industrial boiler manufacturer. So seeing this Carl Zeiss coordinate measuring machine, uh, it was, it was very uh, impressive to see how you could put a... Uh, any piece on whatever dimensions and this uh, machine will you know take care of the dimensions and put it in a paper and I thought uh, wow I mean I, I've never seen that at that moment and it was just the beginning of the 90s so I was doing um, quality inspection and uh, I saw this rip- this robot and its accuracy and I was in love with the reliability of that novelty I mean today you walk into into a, a, an offshore platform, for example, and you see this huge, huge infrastructure with hundreds of valves, pipes, sensors, PLCs. I mean, all of these working together and only a handful of people that are managing them all in a control room. So a uh, similar situation happens in a distribution company, which receives online orders and supply those orders from different parts of the world. That common characteristics in these scenarios is not that uh, they are huge but is that there are digital programs that run many operations these digital programs or virtual programs they they have this critical role of taking decisions so you can call them software electronic tools platforms etc it doesn't matter how you call it the fact is that these are processes which are executed based on a, I don't know, an equation, a formula, a program. 
So there are different levels of virtual. Normally, you will find virtual processes interacting with traditional analog brick and mortar processes. Brick and mortar processes in the US is what they call like um, something traditional, something analog, something that is not digital, like assembly, like uh, a, a, a visual inspection by one person. And uh, for example, so even, even virtual processes of you know taking orders, managing data, is mixed with other processes that are not digital. For example, perhaps inventory management is digital, order planning is digital, order taking, order offering. Yes, but there are other processes uh, that are traditional, like the trucking service, like the, the visual inspection by a person of those products and confirmation of shipments by, by uh, someone in the warehouse. So. If you can see that the entire operation is made out of virtual processes, but also traditional processes. Another example is uh, the cement company. Uh, you know, they have mixing of uh, many elements and, and milling processes. All of those are interconnected with digital processes, you know, uh, and, and, and there is a control room managing all these digital processes and traditional processes. And not only that, but they are connected with, with a quality laboratory. So there is a quality laboratory that is taking samples continuously and they are saying, hey, you know, this cement is showing these characteristics and then operations needs to adjust that uh, product base uh, using that control room. So do, if you can imagine this then, uh, you know, the same happens with chemical companies, refineries, all these huge, huge operations that have just uh, a, a, a very uh, small amount of people managing all these processes, but because they are relying in programs. These digital or virtual processes take decisions based on a program that was planned by people that we will call programmers. So, um, and these processes are executed and monitored by other people. And for the purpose of this conversation, we will call it operational people. So you have the programmers who made the program and the operational people who execute and monitor um, the, the, these processes. Now, if you really want to audit this virtual environment, you have to be aware of, of its components. And uh, definitely we, we will think of the program as one of the most important ones. And then we have the people. You know, there is people who created the program the people who executes and monitors the process or processes, uh, the hardware itself, the data, you know, all of these components are very important for the digital process to happen and to be run properly. So let's talk about one, each one of them. So the program, this is like the equation, the formula, the program that will process data and will activate or indicate an action. For example, in a system of pipelines conducting uh, high pressure fluids, a program in the control room will collect data and if certain data, uh, such as pressure and temperature, reach certain point, then a safety relief valve will be activated without human intervention. So in the same control room, there will be another operation in which the program based in data coming in will issue an alarm and a quantity of fluid indication to the operator. So the operator will manually activate 
uh, X amount of fluid transfer from one tank to another. So I'm just giving you examples that how a program is using data and then is either doing an action or sending a, a visual uh, alarm or indication to someone to do something. Okay, so you see there are instances in, in which the program takes 100% of the decision, but there are other situations in which the program provides data for the operator to take a decision. You see? So understanding the program, understanding the program, how is the program validated for adequacy? Sometimes there are changes and you will wonder if the program has been updated to the new infrastructure. So understanding the program is key. Now, the people. If you, as an auditor, will audit only the operational people, what would you miss? I mean, can you imagine going to a refinery or an offshore platform, a, a cement company, chemical company, and just uh, interview the 40 people in that shift? When you have an installation that, you know, is the size of uh, five football fields or baseball field, whatever the sport you want, but these are huge operations. And uh, if you interview, you know, the people turning on buttons and looking at screens and taking some of the important decisions, do you think that that will you miss something? Of course. Auditing operational people is, is the most normal thing to do for all auditors. However, auditing the program is another game. You should make the questions. You know, where the program is stored, who keeps it updated, how is it validated? When was the last time that the program was validated? Ask for interviewing the people who can answer these questions. Remember, it is not a small thing if the program is taking decisions because these decisions critically affect the product or the service. So it's, it's, it's beyond uh, talking to operational people. Now, the hardware. The program or programs are running in servers, dedicated computers, PLC centers, etc. I mean, many, many places. How, how is this equipment maintained? Where are they? Is there any analysis to ensure that the hardware is adequate for the program? My friends, have you tried to implement a new operating system, you know, a new revision of your operating system in an old computer running, I don't know, let's say four megabytes on RAM? I mean, of course, the hardware and the software are not meant for each other anymore. So that's why you can sometimes you cannot use your old computer because what, what you have in RAM is not enough to run the new operating systems. If the program is deciding on safety critical issues, is someone validating that the hardware is the correct one, is still adequate for that program, for the updates of that program? Is there any cybersecurity involved? I mean, there are many, many things that you can uh, learn about that hardware. Finally, data. The blood of the digital process. Yes, the blood of the digital process. So listen to what I'm saying. Data is the blood. Therefore, the data must be healthy. Checks must be done and see if that data has not been contaminated because of an unplanned change in infrastructure or equation or assumptions. I recommend you sample an important decision taken by that program, ask for input data. Where is it coming from? How do they know that it is coming clear and clean? 
Now, the program is taking data and, and its data is produced. So how, wh where is that data? When, what, and how data is to be used? I mean, all those kind of things uh, are to be answered perhaps by programmers. I mean, if operational people can answer that, that's fine. It doesn't matter. You just find the answers. You need to know that the data is good for the program and, and what data is being produced. So sometimes, yes, you have uh, operational people knowing about this. I mean, I'm not saying that they don't know. It's just that you know you need to find that those answers as an auditor. And uh, auditing a virtual process is not that complex. If you follow these main elements that I described to you in this episode. It is just a matter of making the right questions about the things that really matter in that virtual environment. And above all, understand the virtual process. So here are the five elements that you have to take into account when doing a virtual audit. One is what decisions are performed by the virtual process. So what are those decisions? Understand those decisions. Okay, good. Now, the program. How is the program designed? How is it executed and monitored? Check that part. Three, the hardware. Must be adequate, the hardware for the software. The program. Four, the people. Not only the people that is operating the, the, the hardware and the software, but also the people who is doing the programming. And finally, five, the data, which is the blood of the program. If you follow these five elements, this is going to be great for your audit because you are going to have a level of deepness that is very good for you to achieve the objectives of the audit because you are going to understand not only the traditional process, but you are going to understand all the virtual processes and the decision-making by these virtual processes. Hey, thank you for being here with me. I remind you to subscribe to this podcast. As of today, we have listeners in the USA, Canada, Mexico, Brazil, Argentina, France, Spain, Italy, Romania, New Zealand, Japan, Kenya, Ecuador, Colombia, Peru, Poland, Austria, Germany, UK, and many, many more. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm honored with your time. And I just want to tell you this, this is your podcast because you are the ISO coach. So take care all of you. I'll meet you again. Don't forget to subscribe. Take care, my friends.